Episodes of Idolo are presented in both English and Spanish. This is the English version. Si quieres escuchar en español, vuelve al feed y selecciona el título en español. This podcast contains graphic language, scenes of violence, and drug use that are not suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. Episode 7, The Revenge Theory. It's a hot, dusty day in California's high desert, and I'm driving on my way to meet Chalino's best friend and band leader, Nacho Hernandez. And the whole time, for what feels like hours up a windy dirt road, I'm playing this one song on repeat, El Cantante. It's a corrido by Los Cachorros de Juan Villarreal. I had a gut feeling that if anyone had some real insight into who killed Chalino, it would be Nacho. He knew Chalino better than almost anybody. And I was tired of chasing rumors, chismes, and half-truths. I had all these theories about Chalino's murder swirling around in my head. I also had all these weird voices, people who were afraid to talk, people who warned me not to get too close, people who asked me point blank not to solve it for reasons unknown. I wanted to ask Nacho about all of that. But the most important thing to me as I drove up his long driveway through a gated fence was that I had to ask him about this El Cantante song that I was bumping over and over again. Because multiple times, when I talked to people either on or off the record about who may have known who really killed Chalino, they pointed me to this corrido. One person we interviewed, who dedicated a large part of their career to this mystery, sent us a link to El Cantante in an email hours after we interviewed them. There was a question you asked that I didn't answer, the email said, but I thought you might find this interesting. Interesting, I'd later find out, because this corrido, El Cantante, they say, tells who shot Chalino. The thing is, perhaps because of the danger involved in openly revealing such a secret, Los Cachorros sing it in riddles, in code, which is why I was playing it over and over, trying to make sense of the lyrics. The dove sings sadly on the edge of the boardwalk. Okay. Then later on it goes, 12 months in a year, 4 weeks in a month. Look for a saint day if you want to know who it was. What the fuck? This corrido was like the Mexican Da Vinci Code. I couldn't figure it out. But I knew if I could solve its riddles, I would have a clearer picture of what really happened to Chalino. And this song... It would contribute to the final theory I'm going to share with you in this podcast, the revenge theory. For Futuro Studios and Sonoro, in association with Sin Melo Productions, I'm Eric Galindo, and this is Idolo, the Ballad of Chalino Sanchez, a show about the man who would become known as the godfather of narco corridos, whose life would become its own kind of legendary drug ballad.
There's one rumor about Chalino that doesn't go away. The rumor that he was a narco himself, or at least affiliated with cartel business. After all, most of what he was singing about was the rising world of the narcos. You can tell he was writing and singing from the heart. That's my friend and lifelong Chalino fan, Raul Robles, talking about how that connection became apparent to so many fans in the songwriting. In my opinion, you have to know about the life and live the life a little bit to write about it. That's why for him it was so, it just it came natural. Chalino didn't invent singing about narcos. Bands like Los Tigres and Norte pioneered the medium. But USC professor Josh Kuhn says with Chalino, it was different. Before him, there weren't singers who people were doing the cartel guessing game. Like, no one ever did a Tigres guessing game about cartels. But I think he was at a different level, operating in a different way. The cartel guessing game is one we played a lot in my family growing up, where we try and guess if someone is affiliated with organized crime in Mexico. And if so, which cartel they are affiliated with. And for Chalino, people have been playing that game ever since he came onto the scene. And a few people I spoke to who have ties with the underworld told me that they heard that Chalino was connected, that he was even working for the cartel, collecting taxes for them. So I wouldn't blame Nacho Hernandez, Chalino's bandmate I was visiting in the California desert, if he didn't want to get into Chalino's narco ties or talk about who really killed him. Nacho lives in a gated house in the middle of a desert. I visited him on a dusty spring day. Of everybody, he was the one I was most excited to talk to. He was there at so many key moments of Chalino's life and the day of his death. If anybody knew something, it would be Nacho. When I arrived, he was hanging out with his granddaughter. I love you. Nacho's as real as it gets. He's got a pudgy nose, a thinning mustache, short hair, usually covered by a baseball hat or a tejana, and the kind of voice that can only come from Sinaloa ranchos. Lo que usted quiera preguntar, yo le contesto lo que yo sé y lo que no sé yo le digo, ¿sabe qué? Eso no lo sé. Ask me whatever you want, he said. I'll tell you what I know. We talked for a half hour about how the band came up, about the Coachella shootout, all sorts of stuff. And then I asked him what he thought would have happened if Chalino would have lived past that night in Sinaloa. Nos hubiéramos hecho ricos. Hubiéramos ganado mucho dinero. Él y nosotros también. Nacho says they would have probably all gotten rich together, but it wasn't meant to be. There was something about this question that let Nacho open up a little more about what happened to his friend and business partner that fateful night in Sinaloa. Mi compa Chalino, sí, él era bravo. Él no se dejaba, pero para que lo mataran. Por eso que lo mataron, no merecía que lo mataran. Nacho says Chalino was an outlaw, and he didn't take shit from anyone, but that Chalino didn't deserve to be killed for the reason they killed him. Did that mean Nacho knew the reason he was killed? And then he told me. A él, según, lo culparon de una muerte. Dijo yo, no, yo no tuve nada que ver ahí. Y de todos modos lo mataron. Creo. Nacho thinks Chalino, who was rumored to have left the trail of bodies and enemies, was blamed for a murder he didn't even commit. Esa es la versión que yo tengo. 
That's his version of the story. Es un señor de, de Tepic, se apellidaba Escobar. Eh, según que esa fue la causa de la muerte de él. That a man from Tepic, last name Escobar, was the reason Chalino was murdered. I want to take you somewhere now, to a scene I've imagined, constructed from a mix of what Nacho told me, some reporting, and fan theories online. You hear that? Those are the bells of El Catedral de Purísima Concepción in Tepic, Nayarit. Nearby, imagine a young, well-dressed man named René Escobar hanging out in a beautiful villa in this idyllic state along Mexico's Pacific coast. It's early spring of 1992 and the weather is beautiful. But Mr. Escobar isn't there on vacation. I mean, he is and he isn't. He's actually laying low. For the past three years, the former members of the now defunct Guadalajara cartel have been warring over who gets to control the drug trade along the Pacific coast. And Rene's been in the middle of it. A few weeks ago, he was sent by his bosses to kill a rival cartel henchman who was making the rounds, collecting the Blasas tax. And now he's here in Ayariz, maybe eating some aguachiles and salsa negra, trying to relax. But he's too stressed to really enjoy it. René can't stop thinking about this hit from a few days back. He's replaying the events over again, like it's a page in a book he can't quite make sense of. Repeating to himself, it was supposed to be an easy mark. A dumb cartel bagman who has a bad temper. I mean, the guy basically announces himself on the ring. And then a bullet pierces René Escobar's skull just before he can complete his thought or finish his aguachiles. According to Nacho and the revenge theory, this was the murder that was pinned on Chalino, and it was the reason he had to die. The Rene Escobar story is not one I had heard before talking to Nacho, so I started seeing what I could find to back it up. I searched newspaper archives for anything that could link Chalino to Rene Escobar. Nothing came up. I couldn't even confirm for sure that René Escobar existed. But as I kept researching and asking around, I kept coming back to the same name. Valdemar Escobar, presumably René's brother. According to the theory, he's the guy who killed Chalino. The first time I had heard Valdemar Escobar's name was from another guy I talked to who didn't want to go on the record because he used to work for the cartels here in Los Angeles. We met at a diner in Bellflower, and he told me this theory about Chalino, Rene, and his brother Valdemar, and about how Chalino was supposedly spotted in Nayarit at the time of Rene's death. He said Chalino had supposedly killed Rene as revenge, because Rene had tried to kill Chalino a few weeks earlier. And then he told me to listen to El Cantante by Los Cachorros de Juan Villarreal. That was the second time the song came up. Remember the Da Vinci Code of Corridos with the riddle hidden in the lyrics? Unlike René, we know for sure that Valdemar existed. He was a high-ranking member of the Sinaloa cartel working under El Chapo. At one point, he was arrested with El Chapo in Guatemala. Then I took a deep internet dive on Valdemar. In places like Reddit and Borderland Beat, even comments on YouTube videos, 
where amateur cartel detectives anonymously post their theories about drug hits. Some claim to have inside info, though who knows? A lot of people on the internet think this guy Valdemar did it. It's definitely the most popular fan theory. I heard it was Valdemar Escobar Barraza from Pueblos Unidos. Chalino was supposedly involved in the death of René Escobar. René Escobar, Valdemar's brother, was killed on his way to Vallarta. A few days earlier, René had tried to pick up Chalino in Pueblos Unidos. Chalino went to Pueblos Unidos to tax one of the mesas. René's friend and René intervened. Chalino just made it out. Arrested with El Chapo was also the man who killed Chalino, Alberto Valdemar Escobar Barraza. Valdemar gave Chalino the coup de grace for his hand in René's death. Valdemar was killed in Monterrey in 99, and there's a corrido about his death and allusion to killing Chalino. It's sung by Los Cachorros de Juan Villarreal. There's that song again. If the song held the answer, I needed to go back and try to figure out what the lyrics meant. I tried asking the person who first told us about the song to see if they would help decode the lyrics. But even after sending me the song, they refused to talk about it, even off the record. They seemed spooked. Even Nacho kept his distance from the song. Nacho says Juan Villarreal himself told him to record the song. But Nacho was like, hell no. Ese corrido, no sé cómo lo sacó mi compadre Juan, pero estaba pesado. Sí, pues estaba echando de cabeza a una persona pues, que había matado a mi compa Chalino. Nacho says he has no idea how his friend Juan came up with this corrido, but that it's heavy because it puts the blame on someone directly for Chalino's murder. Yo no compongo su corrido, ni los canto tampoco. No, para no enredarme, pues. Nacho says... He doesn't sing or write these types of corridos. He just doesn't want to get involved. So it looked like I was going to have to decode the song myself. Levantaron al gatillo en Monterrey, Nuevo León? This is that Chalino's hitman was killed in the Mexican state of Nuevo León. Easy enough. But this was the part that always stumped me, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Doce meses tiene el año, cuatro semanas del mes. Busca el día de su santo si quieres saber quién es. This is saying the year has 12 months. The month has four weeks. Look for the man's saint day if you want to know his name. Now, try and think about those calendars your abuela or your parents would get for free at the carniceria. Remember how every single day in these Catholic calendars had a name on them, sometimes lots of names, those names were the saints. If we assume that when Los Cachorros are talking about the month that has exactly four weeks, 
they're probably talking about February. That's still 28 days with a bunch of saints on each day. But I went through them. And on the 27th day, I found Santo Valdemaro, which sounds an awful lot like Valdemar, as in Valdemar Escobar. So is that an answer to the riddle? Was this a way for Los Cacholos to say that Valdemar did it? Or am I just tripping? I thought about the lyrics some more and decided to look into the part about Chalino's killer dying in Monterrey, Nuevo León. And I found an article on a legal website dated January 15th, 2000, about a group of people who had beef with the cartel and came to Nuevo León to hide and start a new life. The cartel found them and executed them. Among the dead listed is Adalberto Valdemar Escobar Barraza. And then, one late summer night, I had the opportunity to talk to somebody on the phone who was as close as I'd get to inside knowledge. Somebody who's a pretty big name in one of the cartels. I can't tell you the circumstances of how I was able to speak to this person. And to be honest, just their name makes me tremble a little bit. I was allowed to ask a few yes or no questions. So I went for it. I asked if it was one of Rene Escobar's relatives who was responsible for Chalino's death. He said yes. I asked if it was the one I thought it was, Valdemar. He said yes again. But then, before we got off the phone, he backtracked a little, saying it was just what he had heard. It's not like I was there, he added. Okay, so if you put it all together, this is the revenge theory. That Chalino was killed by Valdemar Escobar as revenge for the death of his brother, which was rightly or wrongly blamed on Chalino. A lot of the theory makes sense to me, but in the end, we can't confirm whether or not it's true. There's pieces of the puzzle that are still missing. Chalino's case hasn't been solved in the last three decades, and that's not likely to change. It could be yet another cheeseman one that's repeated over and over again until it's accepted as truth. All of this code deciphering is very interesting in the clandestine world. It's nothing new. Here's San Diego State Professor Dr. Juan Carlos Ramirez Pimienta, who investigated Chalino's death for his book, Sing to the Drug Dealers. Well, it happens in different types of criminal culture. You know, in the Italian community, in the U.S., we say somebody went to school and then you smile and it means that he was at a penitentiary or something. They say the same in Spanish many times. Oh, he fue a la escuelita o estuvo en la escuelita. No, it's just as, as you don't want to be disrespectful or offer too much information. We reached out to Juan Villarreal, the writer of the song riddle, but he didn't want to talk to us. It can be dangerous for corrido composers to say things directly, even if the killer is dead. The drug business is passed down in families, and no one wants to have the death of Chalino Sanchez hanging over them. For writers, it's safer to speak in code when it's about controversial topics. But why air out everybody's dirty laundry in the first place? Dr. Ramirez Pimienta says it's because it sells. There's a commercial aspect to this type of things. This idea of being somebody who is in the known, somebody to be in the inside. There's this idea to be able to decipher these corridos. 
and that the listener in everybody wants to believe that he or she is somebody who knows from the inside. So that these types of corridos are very appealing. And it's worth mentioning that just because the corrido claims to tell the story of Chalino's murder, that doesn't mean it's definitely true. It's just another source, another clue for us to follow. But if you believe what happened in Nayarit, it's kind of hard to square it with Chalino's behavior around this time. Remember, after the Coachella shootout, Chalino's career took off. He was playing sold-out shows, had songs getting significant radio play. Remember in episode 6, Maricela, Chalino's widow, was telling us that he was finally taking care of a lot of matters in his life and making plans for his family's future. Whether you believe that Chalino was just resting at home in between gigs or that he was out thugging during this period, one thing we know for sure is that the period ended with Chalino, Nacho, and Los Amables del Norte booking a small tour through Sinaloa starting on May 16th in Culiacán. Here's San Diego State Professor Dr. Juan Carlos Ramirez Pimienta again. Chalino was getting paid $20,000 for tres fechas, three nights, three different events at different places in Sinaloa. The other thing that seems pretty clear about this period is that Sinaloa was kind of too hot for Chalino to be going down there. That seems to be a fact, because several people have talked about how he was being told, do not come here, you know, stay in Los Angeles. And people in Los Angeles saying, you know, why are you going down there? You know, stay here. Don't go there. Don't go there. That's Rolling Stone writer Isabella Regosa. It's not safe for you to go there right now. You're uh, like in hot water right now with these people, I guess. He ended up not listening and still went on and performed. Not only did Chalino ignore the warnings, Dr. Juan Carlos points out that Chalino let it be known he wasn't afraid. He disregarded this, you know, warnings, so people knew he was coming down. What were those warnings about? According to Nacho Hernandez, they all had to do with Chalino getting blamed for Rene Escobar's death. He says Chalino insisted he had nothing to do with Renee's death, so he had nothing to worry about when it came to these warnings. But maybe he should have. Here's Mexican journalist Silver Mesa. Todo indica que le pusieron una trampa, pero justo Chalino dijo, pues si me va a tocar, me va a tocar. Es lo de vivir la vida recia. Y pues voy. Silver says all indications pointed to this Culiacán show being a trap. But Chalino was living the vida recia. Life on the edge. The outlaw life. And outlaws? They don't run from traps. Chalino arrives in Sinaloa a few days before the first show of his three-show tour and starts promoting it on the radio. It's one of the few recorded pieces of tape we have of Chalino speaking with his fans. The audio sounds like the antenna of an old radio box needs to be moved to find better reception. But here's Chalino taking calls from locals and even old neighbors who are excited to see their hometown celebrity perform at Salón Bugambilias. Bueno. Buenas tardes. Buenas tardes. Aquí nomás. ¿Cómo se llama usted? Isela. Isela. Pues nada más para saludarles y felicitarles. Gracias por las felicitaciones. 
y estamos para servirle. Gracias, eh, por acordarse de nosotros. El gusto mío, Dios. Then on May 16, 1992, Chalino, Nacho, and Los Amables arrived to this large ballroom-type place called Salón Bugambilias. The joint is packed, and it's so loud. It's hard to make out when Chalino's name is even introduced. But when it is, the place gets even louder. And then Chalino jumps on stage and seamlessly merges with the energy of the crowd. He's singing his ass off, but he's not alone. The crowd is singing along with him. Thousands of culichis belting out Las Nieves de Nero with their hometown boy. It's beautiful. They sing and dance the night away. And most of the show, Chalino looks joyful, composed, handsome in his three-piece suit. Then someone from the standing room only crowd hands him a note, the so-called death note. And everything changes. The joy from his face is gone. It's like Chalino finally realizes he's fallen into a trap. Here's Nacho again talking about the mysterious note and what he would have done if he knew that it was a death threat. Yo le hablo fulano, mangano, perengano. Hey, espérenme fuera porque me están amenazando. Me salgo escoltado con dos, tres carros de, de amigos o gente que ande trabajando, pues. He says he would have called for backup and basically ran out of there escorted by a clique of friends and family. After the show, Chalino doesn't run, though. He doesn't call for backup or run to get his gun. Instead, he decides to go party. Here's Dr. Juan Carlos. He got into his truck with his brother and two ladies, and then he started driving. He was intercepted and detained a few minutes after that. They were waiting for him. The theory is that Chalino got out of the car without a fight, because he didn't want to endanger his brother or the women they were with, and that he simply stepped out of the car he was partying in and into one that would lead to his death. That's Mexican musician El Choc. He's also heard the revenge theory, that it was the family of the Slade man who had Chalino killed. Se supone que el güey que lo mata o que lo va a matar, lo baja de su camioneta. He says the killer gets Chalino down from his truck to his knees. Y todavía le dice, discúlpame, a mí nada más me mandaron a cumplir mi trabajo. Yo soy fan tuyo. According to one legend, the hitman tells Chalino, I'm sorry, I'm just here to do a job. I'm actually a fan of yours. Ahí sí ya es como que la historia distorsionada, ¿no? Porque dicen como que Chalino lo vio así retador y que hasta el día de su muerte, él dijo, sí, todo bien, compa, usted jálele. Y que le hizo pum. Chuck says this is where the story he's heard gets even more insane and probably exaggerated. Chalino looks up at his soon-to-be killer and says, I get it. It's all good. Go for it. Pull the trigger. Jálele el gatillo, pariente. And then bang. Chalino Sanchez, el cantante, was dead. 
possibly revenge for a murder he didn't even commit. Of course, nobody knows what happened in Chalino's final moments. And I've heard many other versions. People who supposedly heard from a guy who knew a guy. That Chalino Sanchez was on his knees in an irrigation ditch, beaten, bloody, and crying, with the sun rising behind him and hope fading like the moonlight. That his killers accused Chalino of being a traitor, of chasing fame over the good of the business, and of killing their brother in a cowardly fashion. That Chalino denied any involvement in the murder of Rene Escobar, but it was no use. They say several farmers working near the irrigation ditch witnessed the event. The killers wanted it that way. In some versions of this ending, one of Chalino's killers is said to have gone over to the farmers and told them to tell the newspapers that Chalino was killed, that he begged for his life, that he wasn't the immortal outlaw everyone thought he was. Whatever the case may be, they certainly seem to be sending a message with how they killed him even with that death note. I do think that the passing of the note, which now in a way, yes, obviously like it is part of that culture of, of handing a note with a song request or a saludo or a dedication. That's USC professor Josh Kuhn again. But, you know, it's going to be probably with, you know, within five to 10 years after that, when the notes aren't passed, but the notes are hung on bridges and it's not comantas and it's cartels leaving messages in public, hanging from bridges that will then be messages you know, written out in words with heads or decapitated bodies or body parts or whatever. So in a way, that note is the beginning of this um, history to come of narco messaging. And what was the message with Chalino? You're not too famous to die on your knees? Whoever was sending that message had enough power to basically kidnap a famous person, have him murdered in public, and have the Mexican government's investigation into the murder go nowhere. We knew that we were met with a stone wall from the Mexican authorities. That's Henry Martinez. He was the lead investigator working for the state of California on the case about the Coachella shootout, which was just a few months earlier. After Chalino died in Sinaloa, he went down to Culiacán to try to get a copy of Chalino's death certificate. But the authorities in Mexico basically locked him out of the case. Despite the popularity of Chilino Sanchez, there was potentially and apparently some official involvement in the death of Chilino Sanchez, which caused their lack of cooperation with American officials investigating his death and could be possibly an explanation. I don't know if this Rene Escobar story is true, but it underscores something inherent in Chilino's life story. He had become a character in one of his own corridos, Someone whose legend eclipsed reality so much that when, let's say, Valdemar Escobar heard a rumor that Chalino killed Rene, the rumor became true almost immediately, regardless of the facts. And Nacho Hernandez says it just wasn't true. Él no tenía nada que ver por lo que lo Él se murió inocente. He says Chalino died innocent. This revenge theory, man, it involves so much death. It's just sad. It also highlights how little the Mexican government seemed to care about Chalino's death. There seems to have been no real investigation. And even years later, they refused to release the case files. And I think it also says something about Chalino or maybe about narco culture 
that the only thing close to a believable public accounting of his murder comes in the form of a corrido. Part of me thinks Chalino would have wanted it that way. It's fitting. Corridos were the language he spoke. For his people, corridos were maybe more relevant than newspapers. Because for people from El Rancho, it's not about who did what when. It's about how you tell the story and how that story gets passed down and becomes legend. And Chalino, after all, he was the king of corridos, one of the fathers of the narco corrido. But in a world where narco cultura is more popular and mainstream than ever, and in which corridos and cartels are increasingly violent, what is the king's legacy? What can we make of Chalino today? The idea of the antihero is very popular for people because it is it provides a fantasy. Hearing Chalino's voice, it was like a source of strength. His popularity in Los Angeles, I think, was a wake-up call to Mexican and Mexican-American youth in L.A. to say, we're going to own our culture. We're going to celebrate who we are. That's on the next episode of Idolo, the ballad of Chalino Sanchez. This podcast is written and reported by Eric Galindo, Alejandro Mendoza, and Juan Diego Ramirez. It's edited by Marlon Bishop and Carmen Graterol, with help from Rodrigo Crespo. It's produced by Juan Diego Ramirez and Liliana Ruiz, with help from Nicole Rothwell, Evelyn Uribe, and Angelina Mosher Salazar. Executive produced for Sonoro Media by Jasmine Romero and Joshua Weinstein. For Futuro Studios by Marlon Bishop and for Sin Miedo by Eric Galindo. Sound design and mixing by Manuel Para. Original music by Hector Fernandez with the help of Alex Mendoza, Carmen Graterol, Jasmine Romero, myself, Eric Galindo, and Juan Diego Ramirez. Performed by Simon Temoxle, 
Javier Zabaleta, Junior Arismendi, Gerardo Albarán, and Leonardo Cano, a.k.a. Quinto Zurdo. Music supervision by Big Sync. And special thanks to Don Chayo Espinosa. I'm your host, Eric Galindo. Peace out! Peace out!